How's it going, Zach? Good to see you. Well, As well. always. Good. I'm well. I'm well. I'm well. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> you got the uh, case of the case of the giggles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched a show recently. Have you watched the um the series called Dope Sick? Yes. Yeah, on Hulu, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was recommended. I think recommended. Maybe it's quite troubling. It's quite. Yeah. Um, it's uh. Yeah. Obviously, all that aside, it just it's a show about uh, the oxycotton. And I would mm-hmm. really say it's like how this company marketed it and basically lied yeah. about it. It's pretty scary stuff, but like it just yeah. shows you how like marketing can make an impact on something like that. And that was that was a pretty wild series. Yeah, it was. It was. It's, it's been some time since I've seen it, but yeah, it's uh, and there's yeah, some old. new stuff coming out. Yeah, it's, yeah, I enjoy it. But. Yeah, marketing is uh it's crazy, man. It's it's cuz yeah, that consistent message you can push people any any direction you want to. But our guest today, we have some uh interesting marketing uh just talk about changing the landscape of, of how we of, of the fruits and vegetables that we consume. I'm really uh, I'm excited to to dig in on this one. This is Are you a big fruit and veggie kind of guy? Uh I, I love Fruit is my idea. I, I could eat. I could live off of fruit. Really? Yeah. What's your favorite fruit? I would say strawberries, but I don't really know that that's actually true. Um, you know, there's some good fruit out there. You know, you got your blueberries. You got. Yep. You got. I saw a picture of a plum the other day. I said, "Ooh, a plum." You know, an orange. Um, ironically. I don't know if it's ironic or not, but bananas are probably my least favorite, but they're almost one of the things that are always, you know, in the house because, you know, eat a banana a day and yeah, I don't know. That's supposed to be good for you. Um, well, raspberries, you like my thing. favorite, my favorite jelly is raspberry jelly. Well, you're you're about to be amazed. You're going to be I, amazed with this, uh, with William. Welcome to the show. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm excited to dig in on this because this is, uh, it's pretty good stuff. Thank almost, you, almost, almost unbelievable. But no. you have proof. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. A lot of people don't believe what I'm doing, but uh, yeah, the proof's in the pudding, and uh, we've made a lot of pudding. That's for sure. And uh, <laughs> I like, I like you talking about uh, the jellies because I go out in the woods up here where I live and pick wild. They call call them fox grape. They're a, a native grape to muscadine in Virginia. And mm. I make jelly out of it. And man, you were talking about it good. It's like a sweet tart. It mm. is sweet, but it has a tarty taste to it. When I get down there around y'all in Norfolk, I'll bring y'all a little bit. And uh, you'll you'll absolutely love that jelly. But I'm I'm William Layton, the founder of Three Rich Technologies and the inventor of the Agria growing system. So hello everybody. Yeah, so what does that mean? What what is what is a uh, what is a growing system? What uh, th- that you guys are doing? Okay, I invented a complete growing system that grows like the forest floor does. 
We use absolutely no chemicals, no fertilizer of any kind. And if you go to our website, threeridgetechnologies.com, uh, we have a video on it. But my um, growing system goes in abandoned buildings, shipping containers, greenhouses. Uh, I could put it just about anywhere. It's completely uh, universally adaptable. I can put it on ships like for the Navy. Uh, do anything that I want. And then you have uh, fresh chemical-free produce because we use no fertilizer chemicals in our growing process. And you will have food security wherever we put this. You'll have 365 days a year of uh, fresh produce and vegetables and strawberries, fruits, anything. I have not seen anything that we can't grow in our growing system yet. I've grown actually over 170 different varieties of plants in my growing system and not 170 different varieties of lettuce like hydroponics. We grow everything. Yeah. Now, and that, I wanted to jump in real quick. A lot of, I've had the privilege of listening to your pitch and, and hearing, learning about your business and a lot of people jump to hydroponics really, really quickly. And you're very, very different from that. Correct. Oh, we're, we're 100% different. Um, different from that because we're able to grow and produce a profit. We're certified organic, which it's a great certificate to have. And we got ours in like three months where hydroponics, they can't even buy an organic certificate because they're nowhere near organic. Uh, I like to call my system beyond organic because organic is in True farm and it is low spray and low chemicals. We're like no spray and no chemicals. So uh, that's why I chose chose the trademark Agria because Agria means wild plant in Latin. And the only way to find our stuff any cleaner is to go find it in the wild, in the forest somewhere. Hmm. Now, I, I can't remember if this was right before the show or right um, on the show, but you had said most people don't believe uh, what you've been able to to create is that because no chemicals aspect yeah, of well, it? is that is that what they're shocked at because well no fertilizer or anything like that to be able to yeah. grow on a commercial scale. Uh, when I first started well, out, real, go ahead, Tim. William. I, so just uh, for example, Zach, how how tall are you able to grow your tomato plants? I don't know, three four feet. And and, and William, how tall are yours? Oh, my record's about 24, 26 foot tall. Okay. Yeah. That's why nobody believes us. So anyway, yeah. So the Shaquille O'Neal of tomatoes. I got you. Yeah. Right. Well, not only that, see, I got into this as a hobby. In 2004, I needed another hobby. I had a big construction company here uh, in Nelson County and had a bunch of guys and everything. And I needed something to do different kind of hobby. And I saw them growing giant pumpkins on the TV. And I said, man, I want to do that. So I went out there in the garden, like everybody does, got me some seeds, got the plants going threw a bunch of fertilizers and chemicals at it. And then when I was done, I might've had 60 pound pumpkin. So I, I'm not one to quit. And uh, at the first trial on anything, normally I don't ever quit. But anyway, I went and uh, done some research and everybody's got a grandfather 
or an older person in the family that'll tell you, man, back when we was kids, we had the best gardens. We didn't even know what fertilizer and that stuff was. And we had the best gardens and we fed the whole community and everything. And it turns out they were right. So I took a few little lessons from some of these older guys and started applying it. And two years later, I shattered the Virginia state record with 1138 pound pumpkin. The biggest pumpkin I ever grew was 1503. I held the state record for seven years. So if y'all look me up online, you'll see me with a lot of giant pumpkins. And that's how I got into this uh, business. So once I started growing giant pumpkins, because I always liked a little garden, I started growing tomatoes, cucumbers, everything in the system. And man, my gardens took off. I had the prettiest gardens of anybody anywhere around and incredible stuff, you know, out in the gardens. So in 2008, 2009, apparently to put me on my mission to feed the world, I ended up losing my construction company in the crash. I mean, we were wiped out. Wachovia Bank went under. We had a big project on Wintergreen. Always uh, building the last set of condos up there. They lost all their funding. And, man, it just took me down. It was a snowball effect. But uh, looking back at it now, it was meant to set me on this mission of feeding the world. And that's what we're doing. I'm building a team of people, bright, brilliant, uh, educated people. And we got a great team uh, that's forming with us right now to start feeding the world. And then I, I started working on the agri growing system, worked on it 12 years and got it to where now that we're fully able to manufacture and install farms. We all uh, got a, the first vertical farm started in Charlotte, North Carolina for Taste the Organics. It's a company down there. And I love that name, Taste the Organic. And we actually just got to go ahead on a deal to put a farm in Seattle yesterday. So we're going to do West Coast and East Coast and kind of like the railroad end up meeting in the middle before we're all said and done. And then we're also going to be taking this around the world because I truly believe that we can feed the world with this. And the thing that's fascinating is like jumping ahead a little bit. This is perfect for all the vacant commercial real estate out there that people have no idea what to do. You can just go in and start and put it in these vertical farming systems and then your local restaurants, anybody can then take advantage of what you're able to do. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. We're actually in the uh, building in Lynchburg, Virginia, an abandoned city building that the city was gracious enough to, to let us uh, use uh, the city of Lynchburg. And I'm very thankful to them for, for doing that for us. And we went in there and took an abandoned city building and turned it into a vertical farm. And that's our, our show place in Lynchburg, Virginia right now. And, uh, you know, that's where we do our research and development and all the neat scientific things that we're doing. And the neat thing about this, Tim, is we've only scratched the surface of this technology that I have. And I'm already, you know, I'll put my system up against hydroponics or any system out there, not only in 
uh, yields, but also profitability too, the way we're able to grow this produce. And the produce, I mean, there's no comparison. I got chefs in Lynchburg at the Water Dog, uh, Fatelli's, a uh, bunch of the restaurants in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, absolutely love our stuff. They say they can't source anything with the flavor and it's clean and chemical free is what we can grow. And we want to give that opportunity to, to every city in the U.S. and every person in the world. Well, especially with a lot of people working from home now, the commercial real estate, shopping malls. We were talking about yeah. MacArthur Mall at some point during this. You know, that mall basically, who knows what's going on with that. There's plenty of other malls in this area too. You know, military circle, I don't think anything's going on there. Like all these malls, all these big, all these big shopping centers basically are defunct. No one's using them. Yep. And you wonder, you kind of just wonder, like, like are they just going to demo them? What, what, what is going to happen in cases like this? And so your pitch to them is go in there, have the Agria go, go uh, roll up in there and voila. Like what's, what's the pitch from yeah. the commercial building? It's, it's exactly what you said. We can go in anywhere in the city, in any building. Don't need a big building. Could do it small to start with. Uh, start cleaning up the food deserts and everything. And we got a full program here uh, with Three Rich Technologies. We're working hand in hand with the Purple Food Crew, my good buddy, Brandon Riley, that I've known for many years. He He's going to come in and we're going to turn this into a social side of this company too. Uh, there'll be training, there'll be nutritional uh uh, teaching for about nutrition and everything and many more different things that we're going to do with the community. We're going to teach them how to set up their own business and we're going to turn them into farmers, people that's never farmed before in their life. That's what I love about this system. Uh, we, we had a young lady, Kaylee, who actually worked at Sheet. She was a manager and run a cash register. She couldn't grow, never grew anything. It was no good at growing. And in 30 days, using my system, working with us, she was growing some of the prettiest crops. What, um, I'm curious, what, 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 what type of renovation needs to go into a building before, uh, before you can go in and, and set up shop? Oh, it depends on the building and the stage of the building. The building I got in Lynchburg, where I used to be a general contractor, it was completely stripped. I had to do electrical and everything on there. But if I have water and heating and air, I can run a system in there 365 days a year and make it profitable, make the building profitable again. We have models and everything. And we also got clients that are falling in line everywhere. Uh, the farm that we're setting up, set up in Charlotte, North Carolina, it's in a warehouse. We're starting in a, a you know, a warehouse that uh, my clients in and uh, set a couple systems up in there, got him started. And now he's looking for a 10,000, 15,000 square foot building and he'll be scaling. This will be a multi-million dollar deal for years to come. And that's just in the building. Then we have the greenhouse model, which we can put on top of the building so we can utilize everything with this building. And unlike hydroponics, I don't need a $5 million clean room 
for my stuff. Uh, my my plants are so strong, they kick into the natural DNA because they're getting everything that they need. It's like an athlete. Athletes hardly ever get sick. So our plants are getting everything to nature intended it. So their mechanisms to fight off diseases and pests and everything actually kick in. And that's why the flavor of everything that we grow, like strawberries, spinach, all the dirty dozen that are completely sprayed up in chemicals, if everybody knows about the dirty dozen, and that's the 12 most sprayed plants. We're growing uh, most of them with no chemicals or fertilizer of any kind. And the plants are just so strong in our growing system that you don't have any uh, problem with the diseases or anything. So like I say, the building that I'm growing in right now, you wouldn't be able, you wouldn't believe the stuff that we've grown in that building. And it's just a, a center block building with lights and uh, heat, a little air conditioning and water. And my system can run off of solar. So we're going to be able, because we use so less energy, I will be able to run the systems off of solar so we can even take it off the grid and make it even better in these cities. Now, I might, I might not have this factually correct, but... If you look at a lot of agricultural things and a lot mm -hmm. of stuff that's from a big building, they typically are not in urban settings. They are not typically in a place where there's a lot of density of stuff. Even if they're, oh. you, know, you know, you said a warehouse, it's usually, you know, somewhat off the beaten path. You know, a farm is usually somewhat off the beaten path. It sounds like you're trying to put these in more urban areas where there is some commercial real estate that hasn't been used. Is, is that fact? Is, is that true? Yeah, we're going to put them everywhere. Yeah. I mean, so from downtown, that standpoint, downtown Norfolk. Yeah. Uh, so was the pushback on something? down there and start a farm and clean up these food deserts right away. Start it, putting out this produce to the locals. Is the pushback, it, it, has there been pushback about that from the transportation standpoint or actually like getting it out of those buildings and how they don't want a lot of trucks or they don't want a lot of stuff in there to do that? Has there been any kind of pushback from, from that? Because I would envision that like downtown Norfolk would not want an Amazon warehouse to be right there because of how much in and out. I would envision that something like what you're producing might not be at the same level as an Amazon warehouse where it's moving in and out, but it's still a lot of, it's still a lot of vehicles in and out, moving it, moving product, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Our city, are you seeing cities push back on anything like that? If they are, which, what is your response to that? How, how does that look? I haven't seen anything like that yet, but we haven't tried to put a monster project in anywhere. Uh, what I would do is, you know, I, I'd rather put a bunch of smaller projects in the city so they go mm -hmm. unnoticed, so there's no problem. So let's say, uh, take Norfolk, for example. Let's say we want to come in to where they got uh, all the food deserts, which is a lot of them in Norfolk. We take a 5,000, 10,000 square foot building. We'd set up multiple farms and multiple buildings so that we, you know, that we're not affecting the city, but we're but we are now feeding the city with great produce and giving them food security. I don't want to build a, if I build a monster farm uh, anywhere, it will be more on the rural side, Got it. right outside the city where you can bring it in. Now, one thing that I am seeing, 
I have a, a great uh, friend of mine. He's an investor and he lives in D.C. And he has a building in Ruston. And because of everybody working at home and everything, some of the building that's empty, the zoning requirements is the only problem that we're running into, into because yeah. a lot of these buildings, they don't want agriculture in the building, even though you would never notice it. Hmm. There was a um, there was a building at 111 Granby Street that they wanted to convert into a brewery. Yeah. And what was interesting is some of the I don't remember how far down they got into this, but there's a um, a yield of like a 20 percent yield in in brewing beer that uh, in brewing beer that um, has some sort of stench to it. And then mm -hmm. whether or not so whether or not that could be zoned to do something like that. Like it got, it got really fishy um, from from some of that standpoint, and I would imagine while that's not necessarily agriculture, maybe it is. It's still the production of something that maybe there could be that. But in a five thousand square foot building, which I believe that was, that makes a lot more sense than I mean, how big is MacArthur Mall? I mean, two hundred fifty thousand square feet. So I mean, it's I could I could see how the smaller the better, in in at least from a resistance perspective. Yeah. Uh, well, let me let me tell you the difference between us and hydroponics. Hydroponics, you grow one crop and you got to throw a lot of stuff away. You're filling the landfills and everything with all this throwaway growing media, throwing away plastic, throwing away everything else. In our system, and this is going to really be hard for y'all to believe, I've grown strawberries for 13 years in the same growing media. All I do is change out the plants when they get old after a couple of years, which we're getting ready to change our strawberry plants out right now. And then about eight weeks later, they're back up and running and you start producing strawberries again. So when I bring, bring my stuff into the city, hydroponics is going into these cities. They're filling the land full, full, full of the stuff that they're throwing away. We have nothing to throw away. This is a sustainable agriculture system. So we don't even throw the growing media away. You can recycle it. You can do many different things with the growing media. There's no chemical to flush down the sewers, which the hydroponics people are doing. They call them nutrients, but I call them chemical soup because it's a vat of chemicals that they're using to grow up. So they're throwing it away in the landfills and down the sewers with our system there's nothing you got a little bit of water we use 90 percent less water so i can go into the city so we're not using up all the water to farm with uh the electrical you know we can put solar on top of the roof and run the systems and the lighting off of there and also well uh, my buddy brandon uh and them come up with the ideal of put the solar on the farm run all of our lights and then sell the solar back through the grid and make money that way too. So we have a very profitable model with our farms. And what we're going to be doing is licensing our technology to our farmers that we're training and put these in the cities. So what we're out to do is not harm anything, disrupt anything other than the agriculture business itself. We're going to take the farmers. Somebody asked me a while back, are you going to put all these farmers out of business? I said, no, 
we're going to put the farmers back in business, back making it profitable and everything, and giving the cities access to highly nutritious, great tasting produce. Well, the thing that I, uh, that there's many things that I like about your business, but one of the things that I, in particular, is like, and you you know better than I, the 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 crops that are picked, they are picked they're, where they're grown, they're picked way early, before, and then they're, they, they, they ripen over the shipping time, so then when it hits the shelf stores, it's supposed to be ripe. With you all, you're, you bring the, the product to where the people are. So when everything is ripe and ready to be picked and, and harvested, you're already where it needs to be. So there's none of the, uh, the, the playing of, of that aspect, correct? Yeah. You're sort of correct. Uh, with strawberries and everything, they pick them all green and then they spray them with a gas. Right, yes, them. that's it. Who the heck wants to eat something like that? Uh, well, I guess I've been eating my whole life. Yeah, everybody has. <laughs> and wait till you t wait till I bring y'all some strawberries here in a, about a month, and you try my strawberries. You won't want any out the store again. So uh, I actually had a bet with a lady. She's uh, a nutritionist from uh, Richmond for the schools, and she was actually from California. And she was in my uh, at my farm a few months ago. We're talking about putting um, these systems in the schools to teach the kids about nutrition and show them about how to grow. And anyway, she's from California, and I was telling her, "Wait till you taste my strawberries. Uh, you've never tasted anything like this." And she said, "Well, that's a bold statement. Me be coming from California." Well, when she was done, she said, yeah, you got better strawberries than anybody's got in California. She said, these are the best strawberries I ever tasted. And the reason being is everything's being grown the way nature intended it to be grown, not sprayed up, covered in chemicals, um, picked green yeah. and shipped, you know, two, three weeks early and everything. You're getting them right off the vine, vine ripe strawberries, and they're absolutely amazing. Same thing with the spinach, the arugula, anything that I grow, tomatoes, all of it tastes better than anything you can buy in the store. Uh, why know. did that? Why? Why is that happening? Why? Why is the 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 way that we've you know been doing everything with, is all commercialized now? It's all grown at scale. Yeah, but they 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 done that in a rush with fertilizers and everything, I was told that I cannot do what I'm doing on a commercial scale. That uh, the scientists and everybody, they, they actually told me I couldn't grow anything. They, they run a test on my growing media and told me it wouldn't grow anything. And I'm like, man, who is these guys? You know, <laughs> I'm already growing incredible stuff. Don't tell me I can't grow. So I, I have no education in agriculture whatsoever. I barely made it through high school. I graduated from Western Branch High School down there in Chesapeake. But they've been put in a box by this education and telling them it can't be done. I didn't have a box to be in and didn't know any better. So when I come up with the system and got it up and going, I'm way outside the box from right. anybody. And uh, one of my one of my team members, Brittany, 
she's got a degree in all this. And she's like, how in the world did you do this when we first met? And she's well, been helping of, me for four years now. Speaking of which, Zach, you'll appreciate this. And I'm not trying to throw shade, but someone asked you a question at one point uh, about Virginia Tech. And if you're partnered with uh, Virginia Tech, and, and the answer was a strong no, because yeah. you're doing things so unorthodox out of the box that that's away from the tiki teaching mechanisms at places yeah. At, yeah. at institutions. Yeah. Uh, recently, I had the Department of Agriculture up in my facility. Uh, it's kind of comical. I was actually all over 13 News here in Lynchburg. We finally broke the story on what I was doing. And we've been kind of hiding out in the weeds lately until we got our stuff right. And uh, we wanted to make sure we come out, you know, with a strong showing. And the very next day after I was on the news, I get a call from the Department of Agriculture. And they're like, can we come see your facility? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, no problem at all. Y'all could come in. Uh, and they said they didn't know anything about me. And I'm like, I don't know how you didn't do that when I got a USDA certified organic certificate for the whole farm. And apparently they don't talk. Uh, it's a different department or whatever. But the lady that come out and seen what I was doing said they'd never seen anything like this. Uh, where we're in our racks, you know, my growing media is two and three years old. And we're able to, you know, keep using the growing media year after year, crop after crop. And that's why I've designed this for uh, robotics and artificial intelligence, AI. So where we're going with this in the long run is I'm making the first virtual, uh, first vertical farm factories in the world that are going to be planted by robotics and harvested by robotics. And it's not all... I mean, it's not a fantasy or anything. I was told again by some of the, you know, uh, experts that I couldn't build a robot harvester for under a million dollars. And I, I take things like that as a challenge because I'm going to do them or die. That's the kind of guy I am. So anyway, for $800 and I bought an Arduino mm -hmm. off of Amazon. I put together a robot harvester that actually harvested the crops and work. Now, would it do on a commercial scale? No, I got to get some people, robotic teams and stuff in once we raise the capital to do that. But I'm actually working with uh, Clarity AI right now, uh, Joan and Jenny. Uh, Joan's out of Seattle and Jenny's from New Zealand. Super bright people. And we're going to be using AI to ramp these farms up on a commercial scale. So eventually we'll, we'll be building the food factories because my growing media and the way I design my systems will allow us to do that. It's not surprising that you've gone the opposite way and seen success. I, I, I feel like we're taught at all levels like this. This is the way to success. And like yep. diverting off is something that, you know, riskier but you know high risk high reward type of thing and so it's not surprising that all of these organizations that you've mentioned have no idea and don't don't believe you can do it because 
they're so siloed in this thing is like this is the only way to do it no one else can succeed and that's why i mean that's innovation 101 it's just like just ignore all this other nonsense do your own thing if you figure it out great success can happen and 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 it appears that that's that's what path you're on and it's i i think that's one of the biggest like ridiculous things about where we are in the world it's just like guys innovation is so important some of this stuff people would tell you know you could never have an electric car you could never do some of this other like have you ever seen like the pictures between like what the titanic the titanic looks like compared to like a ship of today and how like yeah. we think the titanic was so big then people are like oh you could never right. build this and now we're building things that are like 30 times bigger than that it's just like mm -hmm. be an outlier be an anomaly great things will happen take those risks and this is and and it's like this is this it's just great to hear yeah it's like you know everybody said hydroponics is the future of farming it's not um over 70 some percent of all hydroponics farms fail i had a guy call me up and he's from the west coast and he uh, was talking to me about putting my system out there because he had bought a hydroponic uh, system and two years later he was broke I think the same thing happened in Virginia Beach they hooked up with a hydroponics company and uh, the hydroponics company went broke uh, the model don't work for making money because your cost and overhead uh, Brittany come from farm one which was a big hydroponics farm in Manhattan downtown Manhattan and she uh, worked there for a year and a half. And like she told me, she said they had 15 people all with college educations, which it's a big salary. I could take average people off the street, regular laborers and whatever, and teach them how to do my facility and grow and, and use my system because I made it that simple and that easy. And, you know, it, it don't take long to, to learn it basically what what my labor does is you plant the seeds and you harvest it. I've done all the other work in the growing system. I'm the one that controls the growing media and built the systems and the lighting and everything else. It pretty much grows itself. And the neat thing is you plant a crop, depending on what you're planting, then you harvest the, the crop, then you Put another crop right back on. There's no downtime or anything on this. It just keeps, you know, cycling and cycling and cycling. And that's why we're ready for the robotics to come in and start planting the seeds and harvesting. The, and that will allow me on my racks and growing system to bring the rack heights down and take and raise the racks higher, 30, 40, 50 foot in the air. You got robotics doing it, and you don't need to put people in harm's way to be able to do it. And then we'll bring the price of this produce down for everyone. I mean, microgreens and stuff like that are like $6 an ounce. You know, we start manufacturing in bulk and supply. The price will come down, and then it will be – everybody will be able to get to it. So that's what we're doing. That's my vision and dream to take these farms and make them all automatic. So they're growing. You got robotics and AI controlling everything. And you will have people there, humans still there working, 
overseeing everything and they'll just be pumping tremendous amounts of food out. And that's how we're going to have to feed the world and, unless we keep eating a slop that's covered in chemicals and spray. You know, our forefathers and them didn't eat it like that. And, you know, we don't need to eat that stuff neither. You had mentioned uh, you had mentioned California a couple of times and there's opportunists out there. And if they hear that you can grow 24, 26 foot tomato plants, have the, the people in the, the marijuana industry, have they contacted you wondering what you can do with with something like that? Um, let me say that I can kill it on the marijuana side. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're looking at that too. Um, you know, I don't have any one way or another on it, uh, opinion on it. If it's legal, it's legal. It's another crop to me. But, uh, the thing that I want to do with that is there are a lot of people getting sick from, smoking the marijuana and using the marijuana that's been covered up in chemicals and spray, you're just taking that stuff in your lungs, just like tobacco and stuff like that. And I want, you know, people are going to smoke it no matter what anyway. So I want them to at least have healthy stuff to smoke. And I'll give you an example. I know somebody that had that problem that couldn't, uh, you know, smoke the stuff with fertilizer and chemicals and stuff, it would make them sick. And then the stuff that we've been able to experiment with and grow, uh, they use that and didn't get sick at all. I mean, no effects or no nothing. So, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to hit that market too. And that's part of it. But right now, you know, I'm trying to get the food, all uh, deserts and, people fed too. And we're going to probably do that in a parallel type deal with us. All right. So I, obviously we, I was, uh, we started the show with me talking about how I just watched that show dope sick. The FDA is very associated um, with this. Um, oh. Is, is, are they, are they involved in any of this kind of stuff? Do you have to deal with, with any of the, the food world with that stuff or am I just oh. ridiculous? I'm certified organic, you know, like I say, we're our farm certified organic and everything. I haven't seen any problems with any of the stuff we've been selling to restaurants in Lynchburg for two, two and a half years. Never heard of anybody getting sick off of my stuff. It's so right. clean. You just pick it right off, right off the rack and eat it. I mean, no point in washing it or anything like that. So I haven't seen any problem with, with our stuff. And we Do big follow companies, all the rules and guardla- uh, are, guidelines. Are the big companies that are typically selling, are, are they watching mad, like turn the other way? Like what, where, where are they in this whole thing? You said the farmers are, you know, you're trying to help farmers, but yeah. what about the big companies that are also associated with this? Well, the chemical companies and hydroponics is not going to like me at all. I already know mm-hmm. that. So they're not, they're, you know, they're not going to like me at all. And there's probably going to be pushback in a bunch of different areas too. But uh, I actually had the privilege of having some Walmart executives come out to my farm in 2016, long before I had launched and was ready. Um, I did get an invitation to uh, the Walmart uh, thing out there. And uh, I don't have time to go into 
long story, but uh, took my son with me, and we ended up out there, uh, Bentonville, Arkansas, at Walmart. And uh, uh, I'm kind of adventurous. So pretty much we are in an auditorium with 1,100 people, 1,100 different companies. And I told my son, we're just sand on the beach here, man. We got to do something different. So when the thing was over with, they done their little speech. I kind of got up and told my son to come on here. He said, Daddy, we're going to go to jail. I said, I hope not. <laughs> and I walked up on stage where all the big executives and the CEO, Doug McMahon, of Walmart was and pitched him this. And he actually listened, took my number. And a month later, I had two big Walmart executives out here looking at what we were doing. And at the time, they weren't interested in putting these farms on top of Walmart or anywhere like that. Mm. But uh, I still have Walmart connections. They absolutely loved the produce, couldn't believe what we were doing. One of the quotes was, he couldn't believe that we were, I had tomato plants 24 foot tall and was watering them for a couple minutes a day because our system uses so little bit of water. So, you know, some of the big boys have seen us. We really hadn't come out the weeds yet, but now we are. And let's say I'm coming out building farms and we're looking for all the places and everything to start building the farms right now. Hopefully we're going to be doing some in Norfolk. We're doing one in Charlotte. Uh, I got going to uh, my investor in D.C. He wants to start a farm in D.C., but we're dealing with some regulations right now, trying to get around them on his uh, buildings. I'm flying to New York City on the 10th of October to meet with some people up there about starting them in New York City. Uh, Brandon, he's uh, working on putting one in Richmond and Petersburg with Purple Food Crew, Baltimore. We're looking to go to Baltimore. I mean, every city out here, and we're going to Seattle and start in the next month to set a couple systems up for a model to start putting the farms down the West Coast too. So, you know, I'm just trying to help people. I'm not trying to uh, fight with anybody. Have you talked to any of the, uh, this seems like a, just a perfect fit for cloud kitchens. Have you talked to any of the cloud kitchen uh, owners that uh, as they're building out their infrastructure that, gosh, you can source all the uh, fruits and vegetables right there in house when they're, uh, when, when they're producing the different foods that they make. I have not heard of them, Tim, but I would, mm. I, I will mo- most definitely check them out. So, you know, there's a, a lot of programs out here. Uh, we've donated to the food uh, pantry in Lynchburg, uh, do- donated to the rec centers, extra produce and stuff that we've grown. Because, see, we're research and development in Lynchburg. So I'm growing a bunch of different crops and stuff. And uh, I'm not a farmer. So we're not going to be doing the farmer. We're the ag tech guy. We're going to set up farmers around the world because, you know, I'm almost 60. And there's no way I can build full farms around my around the world before I before I get out of this world. But I got my son and daughter that will be running the company right with me, and they will be helping carry out my mission to put this everywhere. I mean, we're I, I'll give you an example. I talked to a guy in London the other day, and he told me over there 
He knows three people with hydroponic farms and they're about to go bankrupt all right now. And there's a produce shortage in England, a produce shortage. I could clean that up in a year. I mean, you know, with the capital and everything, we could start growing. They had a tomato shortage, all kind of green shortages, everything. And it's still stemming from, everybody knows what happened in COVID. I mean, I went to Chick-fil-A in Lynchburg during COVID and couldn't get a tomato or a piece of lettuce on my chicken sandwich, which was all right with me because I took it back to the farm and put my own stuff on it. Mm. So, you know, if we don't wake up with this food security and get a system that you're not growing everything covered up in chemicals and fertilizer, you know, we need to figure it out and figure it out quick because there's a lot of people that's going to need to be fed and the, and the population's only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So if you, you ever know, watch one of the solutions, you know, if you ever watch a documentary on food, typically let's just say like meat stuff, right? Um, they always are talking about how they have to take down so many trees. They have to, they have to water it so much, how many animals that, they're physically killing and then killing by tearing down the trees and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's just interesting how it seems like you don't have to do a lot of that into this, but the saving of the world aspect in there that they always touch on, I, for some reason, I feel like it just doesn't care to the masses. Maybe that's just me, but it just seems like that's not the thing that really irks people. Um, but when you start to hear like all of these pesticides, all of these chemicals, all of this fertilizer that is on everything, it's, yeah. it's quite interesting. Like even our cereal, like I, I realized that maybe five years ago when someone was like, oh, all this crap's on cereal. I'm like, damn, I knew cereals was bad, but I didn't know it was because yeah. I thought it was just because, you know, uh, you know, Frosty, you know, whatever that guy, that damn tiger's name is, you know, yeah. you know I thought it was just bad for you, you know, not to know that it's sprayed with crap too. And so yeah. it's just, it's just wild to think that some innovative thinking in a, in spaces that are not being really heavily utilized right now is, is potentially a, a huge, um, a huge opportunity for, for America, for the world. Um, and it happened because something in 08, that at the time I'm sure you were really distraught about and 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 weren't expecting, but the closure no. of that business, the, the you weren't sad then, you were happy. No, I was blindsided. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> expecting none of this, man. I had it made. Yeah. I was taking uh, trips, places, and you know. Well, uh, why weren't we friends then? I mean, what the heck? Square foot house, and man, I had it made, Jack, and. Uh, God's got a hell of a sense of humor, man, because he just, he, he said, okay, it's time and just took me out. And mm. uh, if he had, if it hadn't happened like this, this would have always been a hobby. I'd just been growing giant pumpkins. I probably would have never done anything with it. And, uh, you know, because I had it made. And, you know, I, I pretty much started over at 50 or 40 mm. something. And, uh, you know, been been doing this ever since. And now, I mean, I could have went back to construction. I saw how important this thing was, and I just couldn't let it go. And, you know, right now, I mean, we're starting to take off. And, I mean, we got a lot of traction. I want a, a grant. I'm looking to get more grants. I'm looking 
to get investors and more talent. And I just tell everybody in simple terms, I'm building a team to feed the world. Come join me. Come help me however that you can. And that and that's what I'm doing. And people are falling in line. I mean, I, uh, my team, uh, people that's been working with me are absolutely fantastic. Most of them, you know, they get just a little bit of money. Some of them hadn't got hardly any money, but they know how important this is. And they see that this works. And that's what we're doing. And, you know, I can't do all this by myself. I mean, I can tell you that right now. So I'm looking, you know, for anybody that can help me and people want farms. That's great. Let's, let's set them up. I got a farming system that right now I'll put against anybody else's growing system that's out there and, you know, win. So, so people are interested in, in getting one of your farms, just head to your website and. Uh, yep. Hit me you, up on info at all three rich technologies and I'll get back with you. Uh, I don't have a uh, push the button to buy a farm because right now everything's custom. You know, we're still putting it, putting together farms and figuring out what they want to grow and everything else. But in the next couple of years, you know, where we can grow just about anything. I mean, herbs, medical herbs. Uh, we've taken plants, taken plants out of the wild, wild peppermint, uh, all the different, you know, stuff like that, and put them in our uh, growing media and it grows. So, you know, we're going to be able to do a lot of different stuff with, with this. I don't need to make 20 different solutions with all these chemicals and all this stuff in to grow everything. Uh, we're able to tailor our system and our growing media to each plant. So I don't have a, um, a commercial building that you can come into, but Tim has a garage and I have a garage in our yep. houses. Is that a possibility or are we really just looking at commercial spaces at this point? Uh, I will be doing this for the public too, because see, we, we got shipping containers. We're going to do some 10, uh, 10 foot, 15 foot, I mean, 10 foot, 20 foot, 40 foot shipping containers that we can put in people's yards uh, down the road. I'm uh, working on that project feverishly right now. Uh, what we're doing right now is trying to do the larger farms. And then we're going to start putting it out to the public too. So if you want to grow in your own uh, facility, I mean, grow it for yourself and your family, we're going to be doing that down the road too. But this thing has so many different directions. And believe me, I want to do all of them at one time, but I got to stay focused. And right now we're doing the vertical farms. Uh, we're getting the shipping container program done, which is shipping containers fantastic because I can put solar on it. And if you can get water to it, I can put it anywhere in the world. For missionaries, I've had military people come up and see my shipping container program that was in Afghanistan and Iraq and to say, said to have fresh spinach, fresh lettuce and everything right there on the front line. So they would have killed to defend that thing, man. They would absolutely love to have fresh produce. So, you know, I'm looking to talk with the military about getting that in. Um, you know, we got the greenhouses and everything, and we're just scaling up. One of the things 
that I did with my company, which is out of the box. Instead of most people invent one thing and put it on the market. I invent, tried to invent everything so I could put it all on the market at one time. So I got a lot of stuff that works and a lot of stuff that's ready to go with the basic system being the foundation of this. So there's a lot of different things that we can do with this. Well, I think another thing that uh, really contributes to the amount of opportunity that you have, and this is much to your credit, is you don't seem like you're the type of person that's afraid to go out and talk to your customers. You're getting so much customer input that you're you're discovering so many different use cases mm -hmm. that you're, you're just now you're almost overwhelmed with opportunity. Yep. Yeah, uh, the opportunity in the customers is not my problem. My problem is to get the capital to go into full manufacturing mode, to, to build this thing up where we got a supply and everything so we can really start setting up the farms. That's one, one of the uh, things that I have. And the other problem that I have, too, is I need more talent. I need a lot more talent. I need capital to bring in the talent that I need to help me on this journey. And that's pretty much where we are. The clients are falling in line left and right. And I learned one thing in business because this is the fifth business I founded in my life. So I know a lot about business. Uh, if Tim, you call me up and say, hey, William, I want you to build me a house. And I say, okay, Tim, I can probably be there in five or six months. You say, great. No problem. Let's do it. But if I tell you, Tim, it'd be a year to two years, maybe three years before I can get to this, you're going to go find somebody else. So I want to be able to, when somebody calls me up and wanting to farm, be able to deliver within six months or sooner to get them up and running. And, you know, that's where that's what I'm working on now. Because I got a heck of a pipeline forming right now with people falling in line wanting these farms. So, I mean, heck, we're on the East Coast now, and I plan to run up and down the East Coast and got a guy, Hugh, who will be putting a farm at his facility in Seattle, and he's going to be running up and down the West Coast at the same time. So we're going to be able to do a lot of this and grow a lot of many different crops. I mean, this is super exciting now. And by winning the 757 Angel uh, Accelerator, I mean, the people in that is top-notch, first class. I mean, couldn't – I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how much that this is helping me with the contacts and people. Yeah, that was uh, – gosh, we've been talking for almost an hour now. So, yeah, how did, how did you discover – 757 uh, accelerate and, and get involved with the whole collab uh, experience altogether. We found them on Gust, uh, site okay. on, on website Gust. And my daughter put in all the paperwork, done all the uh, stuff to get on there. And then I done the interview, and I think you were on one of the interviewers mm -hmm. and just told them my passion and uh, what I can do and what I plan to do. And next thing you know, I won. I couldn't even believe I won. But I've only entered a couple of these competitions because I'm kind of new at some of this stuff. 
Uh, I met Joan through the Seattle Angel uh, competition in Seattle, and she was one of the, uh, the investors and judges out there. And I competed against, I think, 85 companies, and I ended up finishing, you know, in the top 10. Uh, and it was the first time I ever pitched or done anything. And I did kind of cheat because at the time I had tomato plants 18 and 19 foot tall as a background behind me in my greenhouse. Then I'd go into the strawberries and pitch from there and then pitch from the inside of the facility. So I had all the props in the right places and I did pretty well, but, uh, you know, I didn't win, win any of the money, but I want something way more because now Joan's helping me. She's brought Jenny in. She's brought Hugh in and I made the contacts that I need. And that's what I'm looking for too. Not only am I looking for capital, I'm looking for contacts of people that can come in and like I say, join our team. I need thousands of people, thousands before it's all said and done. So, you know, to take on a mission to feed the world, that's a hell of a mission. Yeah. As, as I hear all this, like one of the things that I think about, you have, you have your different food pantries and, and food banks, and they're the only thing that they take is non-perishable stuff. Well, yeah. I'm sure that they have room within that warehouse where they can add a component like yours into what they're doing, and then they can have the, the non-perishable along with the, the fresh produce as well. That would be, that would be really yeah. cool to see. And they could pay for uh, the program and the system by selling some of the produce and then giving some of the produce away so they could make it a break-even profit where hydroponics or any of the other systems out there, you, you couldn't even fathom that. So, you know, it's a lot of different ways that this thing will uh, move. And like I say, we're still, we're still at our infancy. Uh, Brittany yeah. uh, and them tell me all the time, you know, who knows what, what the right people where this could actually end up well your heart is in the right place and so it, when you're following your heart you'll figure out all the other stuff but you, you can tell that you're you're leading by your heart and with the mission of, of feeding the world and the rest will i, I just have a, a feeling the rest is going to fall into place thank you tim yep and like i say man you know y'all helping me today get the word out i'm really grateful that y'all let me come on this and uh i want to thank both of y'all for doing this and I could sit here and take up everybody's time. I could talk for three days about this. So, <laughs> you know, this has been a long journey. My uncle who just died um, back last year, uh, he died of cancer, probably from the chemicals and stuff he'd been eating. And he was in Vietnam too. And he died of cancer. And he always said journey of 10,000 miles starts with the first step. And I'm probably on step 100 in the 10,000 miles. So, you know, I get up every morning, drive 50 miles to my farm. Uh, I'm up early every morning, 5, 530. I'm an early riser because of construction and all that. And just can't wait to get out to bed and see, you know, this is far more exciting than doing construction because you never know what the day's going to bring. Like the other day when y'all reached out to me, and say, hey, man, you want to be on this podcast? I said, great. You know, I never expected that neither. So every day it's an adventure, and that's why I love it, So It's awesome. 
Well, for anyone that's interested, head to the website, threerichtechnologies.com and uh, get in touch with William. He'll, he'll make sure that you're, you're hooked up and taken care of. Yep. Most definitely. Most definitely. All right, William, appreciate your time. Let's uh, feed you. the, let's feed the world. Yep. That's right. Control my team and let's feed the world. Thanks so much.